You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking Rates and Lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, everyone. This is Rico Muhammad coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. Actually, correct that. Forest Park, Georgia, right here at the Farmer's Market, right outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, this is the Rates and Lanes podcast. And tonight we are joined by a very special guest, Mr. Todd Deals of Overdrive Magazine. We're going to try to cover a litany of different topics tonight. So if you have a question that you would like to ask or that you would like to get in line to ask a question, Go ahead and press number one. That puts your call up in the queue so we can get you screened and get you get you on board with me and Todd a little bit later on. But as we normally start out, we're going to jump in right into the uh, this week's USDA fruit vegetable truck rate report. And I tell you guys, it's um, this is the first report that I've seen in all quite some time. Uh, there are no markets that are reporting any shortages or even slight shortages there are several markets that are reporting surpluses and slight surpluses um so i'm going to try to um, highlight those markets that you might want to avoid these markets that are surpluses and slight surpluses and just quite frankly being honest with you guys looking at the um, boards and the information that i've seen that's out there it is tough sledding all the way across the board this is um this is the time that we all are going to have to start tightening our belts. We're going to have to get a little bit more creative. We're going to have to start watching that bottom line a little bit more uh, so that we can kind of weather the storm. From uh, it's, it's a night and day comparison from this time last year to uh, this time this year. I was looking at some stuff that uh, I was doing last year, and it's, it's really night and day. But with no further ado, um, Looking at this USDA truck market report, you want to avoid Kern District, California, Oxnard District, California, Salinas, Washington, California, Santa Maria, California, San Luis Valley, Colorado, and Waccamaw Valley District in Washington State. Those areas that I just named off are showing surplus of trucks, which means that if you are trying to work the spot market in those areas, it's going to be really, really tight, really, really tough. You're going to hardly have any room for negotiation. As a matter of fact, you're probably going to be uh, involved in a race to the bottom. Uh, the next areas that are showing slight surpluses still probably going to be really tight in those areas, and those areas are South District, California, Texas, and Mexico crossing through Texas. All of those areas are showing slight surpluses. I will get, as a matter of fact, as we are speaking right now, I am copying and pasting the link into the um, Rates and Lanes Facebook page. So if you are a member of the Rates and Lanes Facebook page, you can click on that link and it'll take you right to it. And if you haven't already done so, if you're on Facebook, go over and like the Rates and Lanes Facebook page. I want to try to get that thing up to 500. We're knocking right at the door. Uh, but we would like to try to get that on up to 500 if we, if at all possible. And I think we can do it. Just need a little bit more consistent push there. And with no further ado, let's jump over into the DAT trend lines report for the week of July 12th through the 18th. 
Freight availability continues its July low on the spot market last week, leading to a decline in the low-to-truck ratios for all segments, reefers, vans, and flatbeds. Let's take a look and go deeper into the report for the um, National Van Demand and Capacity Report. The low-to-truck ratio for vans declined another 16% last week to 1.7 loads per truck. As load availability declined 15% and capacity remained stable, up 1.4%. July ratio dips 5.3%. The load availability was stable in June and capacity increased 5.7% compared to May for a 5.3% decline in the load to truck ratio. Compared to the atypical conditions of June 2014, the ratio fell 44% from 4.3 back in uh, June of 2014 down to this particular week down to 2.4 loads per truck. Moving over and let's take a look and see how the U.S. van rates have performed over the past week. The national average rate for vans dropped another two cents to $1.85 per mile last week as freight volumes enters a July low. Van rates trended up in Stockton last week, however, bucking the national trend. The average rate rose two cents per mile from May to June due to an increase in the line haul rate. The fuel surcharge was unchanged month over month compared to 2014. The total rate fell 22 cents, including a 19 cent drop in the fuel surcharge. Quickly going around the country, eastern corridor portion of the country, coming out of Philadelphia shows an average van rate of $1.74 per mile. Moving down into the southeast, Atlanta, Georgia shows an average van rate of $1.92 per mile. Moving over to the Midwest, Chicago, Illinois checks in showing an average of $1.98 per mile. Dallas, down in the south central region of the United States shows an average of $1.85 per mile. In the West Coast, out of Los Angeles, actually kind of leads the pack, continues to lead the pack, showing an average van rate of $2.32 per mile coming out of Los Angeles, the city of angels. Moving on over into the flatbed segment of the market for the week of July 12th through the 18th, Flatbed load postings decreased 10.7% last week, while truck posting rose 9.3%. Team load to truck ratio fell 18% to 11.6 loads per truck. And the national flatbed rates slipped another one cent per mile on average. Flatbed freight availability increased 9.3% in June and capacity held steady. Compared to the compared to May, the resulting load to truck ratio rose 9.1 percent compared to a typical market conditions of 2014. The ratio has declined 51 percent since June of 2014. Let's check and see how the flatbed rates have performed. The national average rate for flatbeds slipped down to two dollars and fifteen cents per mile on average, a one cent decline from the previous week. Flatbed prices rose in Dallas, Fort Worth, but dropped sharply in Pittsburgh. Another one cent in June compared to May, the total rate of $2.19 per mile 
was 24 cents lower than the national average of June 2014, largely due to a 21 cent drop in the average fuel surcharge year over year. Moving around the country, Harrisburg checks in, leading the nation, showing an average flatbed rate of $3.92 per mile. That's up in the northeastern corridor. Coming down to the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia checks in, showing an average rate for flatbeds of $2.67 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, showing out of Rock Island, an average of $2.71 per mile. Houston, Texas checks in, showing a flatbed average of $2.27 per mile out of the south central portion of the United States. And coming off of the west coast, Phoenix, Arizona is the representative city, showing an average rate for flatbeds of $2.01 per mile. Moving over into the U.S. Reefer National Demand and Capacity Report for the 12th through the 18th of July, low posts for reefers fell 20% last week and truck posts increased 1.3%, yielding a 21% decline in the national average load-to-truck ratio. The ratio of 3.9 loads per truck was accompanied by a $0.02 decline in the average rate per mile. Reefer load availability increased 5.5% in June, but capacity also added 6.3% compared to May. The load-to-truck ratio was stable, down only 0.8% at 5.9 loads per truck. Compared to the unusual high demand of June 2014, the ratio fare has, has fallen by 49%. Some rates for reefers, and we'll get right into our special guests for the week. Uh, for July 12th through the 18th, the national average rate for reefers lost another two cents last week. Although rates rose in the Chicago in the Chicago markets and on a few select lanes out of Texas, has some has some movement in, in those particular areas. Reefer rates up seven cents in May. Reefer rates added three cents in June compared to the May average of two dollars and nineteen cents compared to June of twenty fourteen. The national average fuel surcharge has fallen twenty cents, and the line haul rate has dipped only one cent for a twenty one cents decline in the total rate year over year. Coming out of the Northeastern Corridor, Elizabeth, New Jersey, shows an average rate for reefers at $1.86 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Lakeland, Florida, checks in with an average rate for reefers of $1.62 per mile. The high water mark is coming out of the Midwest portion of the United States, out of Green Bay, Wisconsin, showing a $2.79 per mile average for reefers. McAllen, Texas, down in the Rio Grande South uh, Central portion of the United States, shows an average rate of $1.93 per mile. And coming out of the West Coast, Fresno, showing an average rate for reefers of $2.24 per mile. And, of course, we're going to try and get all of this information posted up in, on the uh, Rates and Lanes Facebook page here shortly. So if you want to like, if you like to have access to this report, you can read it for yourself. We'll have it posted up over there in just a second. And with no further ado, we want to try to bring on our special guest, Mr. Todd Dillman. Um, Todd has been so gracious enough to join us tonight. I've been trying to run Todd down for a little while now. Uh, wanted, to get, wanted to get him on so we could try to pick his brain a little bit to try to figure out um, 
You know, Todd is a guy that, that uh, he reports for Overdrive magazine. He's been there for over a decade. He keeps his ear close to the ground because uh, he's interviewing. He's constantly interviewing uh, industry leaders. So he he's, has access to a vast amount of information and, and also just, just a couple of little uh, nuggets that we might be able to mine from his brain to maybe help us out in a little bit of our operation. And just a little bit of background on Todd. Um, he's been at Overdrive magazine for a little over a decade. As a background in journalism and creative writing, he does the Channel 19 blog for Overdrive magazine. And um, part of all, he's a South Carolina boy, just like myself. So, you know, that, that always <laughs> he points with me right away with that one. So, <laughs> yeah. But with no further ado, yeah, we'd like, like to welcome, welcome Todd Deal to the show. Uh, Todd, how you doing? I'm doing great, Rico. Um, you mentioned South Carolina, but here's one problem. Uh, Rico is a Clemson fan, and uh, I, I just uh, I can't I can't go there. But anyway, <laughs> hey, we're gonna make some. I believe we're gonna make some noise this year. I believe we're gonna make some noise this year. Just remember yeah, my go. All right. <laughs> yeah, happy to be on. Though, we to bring me on. Yeah, Todd, one quick thing I want to jump into. I've seen I was, I was scrolling through right before we came on. just want to pass this along to our listeners as well. Um, that you guys posted in Overdrive on the website that the annual uh, break and safety week inspection spree is supposed to take place this year, September 7th through the 13th. Uh, yeah. So just wanted to kind of give everybody a heads up on that. And if you're not aware, if you don't follow Overdrive magazine or, or subscribe to it, Please, by all means, uh, take some time out. Go over and check out. They they have great information, and Todd does some really great articles with those guys. Yeah, the break. And, uh, we've been we've been covering a lot of the inspection activity uh, for several years, only uh, longer than that now. And uh, that's that's something that uh, you see reports on us time to time, uh, trends and in, in inspections, kind of violations that are coming from different areas of the country, that sort of thing. What people are looking for. Um, yeah, we pour on race and everything too. So cool, cool, isn't that? So I noticed one thing that we definitely want to touch on uh, tonight is this EOBR. I see that the Senate this week could vote on the highway bill, um, and they setting they could be setting a deadline for EOBRs. Do you have any information? Any more extra things that you might be able to shed light on on that talk? Yeah, well, highway bill. Um, Kind of gets the most interesting thing about it. I don't. I don't think there's a. I don't know that there's an ELD or electronic log uh, mandate related thing in there. Um, there may be. There may be a, a direction for FMCSA to stick to their timeline or something like that. But um, the most interesting thing there is that the, there's a stipulation in the Senate bill, uh, Senate version of the bill, uh, that would uh, remove. Uh, CSA scores from public view pending a uh, you know sort of an overhaul of the program. Um, there's that. The chances of the highway bill getting passed at this point are pretty uh, pretty slim. But uh, you know it's in the conversation. There's probably going to be just a short term extension, uh, though that that could change. You know, the House has already passed a short term extension. The Senate's looking at a long term six year bill. Um, you know which which uh, there hasn't been one of those since you know. 2000 year 2007 i believe uh it was a two-year bill of course matt 21 uh, a few years ago there's been a couple of short-term highway funding extensions you know always in these bills there's all kinds of different little riders and, and things that uh things that people want to do that have to do with truck safety or 
you know, uh, in this case, uh, the whole CSA scoring program has been so much controversy about. But um, anyway, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. We I mean, we we post updates as we have, and they uh, they may the Senate may vote on that on that bill this week, and if they do, um, there would have to be some kind of. And if it if it passes, there'd be some kind of reconciliation process with the House, or or the House would have to take take up the Senate version of the long term bill and then pass it. So there's there's a lot of ifs, ands, or buts there. But uh, see how it comes out. Uh, in terms of the electronic log, uh, the ELD mandate is uh, at the last thing I think I, the last thing report we've had on it, it's it's gone over to the office. It's, about to go over to the, the White House Office of Management and Budget, which is, of course, sort of the last stop uh, on the entire uh, uh, rulemaking process before publication of a final rule. And uh, I guess what folks are expecting, uh, we you know we had a proposal. The proposal came out le- last year, early last year, March, I believe, 2014. And uh, you know, if the, the timeline spelled out in the proposal, if that sticks, essentially you have uh, and if we have the most current, uh, most current time version of the timeline that we've seen or heard about, uh, if that sticks, then you'll have a, a publication toward the end of September uh, of the final rule, which would be a, go effective uh, the following month. <clears throat> but there'll be a two-year period where everyone, essentially, you know, all the owner operators out there, uh, would have to go and outfit their trucks with electronic logs or. You know, there may be some challenges to the rule after it comes out. I've heard from OIDA that you know they're waiting for the for the final rule to to see if uh, if there's if there's going to be a challenge uh, uh, possible there. But uh, so everybody's just in a wait and see kind of mode. But anyway, two two years for the compliance date, and then for people who before the before the effective date, which would be October of this year, if it comes out September thirtieth. For those who are already running, you know, a fully compliant AOBRD, as they call them, the automatic onboard recording device, uh, you know, the electronic logs of today. Uh, for anybody running one of those today, uh, essentially they would have four years before they would have to uh, do any necessary updates that may be necessary, uh, uh, you know, depending on what the final rule says about device specifications and that kind of thing. Uh most of the manufacturers I've talked to uh, uh, of, of you know device devices on the market right now are saying that it probably won't be that big of a deal. There won't be a lot of hardware update involved. Probably be just a matter of updating the software on the devices. But uh, you know, it just depends on what the final rule says. But so that if you have one today, you don't have to do anything uh, for four years instead of you know that short two-year window. Um, but uh, that's where we are right now, and you know. It's, it's, you know, I think I think we did a poll recently. Eight uh, between eight and nine, eighty uh, percent, ninety percent of our readers don't run any kind of electronic logs. Not not a not a not a three ninety five fifteen compliant one today. Uh, everybody's you know, everybody's most everybody's still on paper or running like a logbook app like Big Road or Keep Trucking or one of these that doesn't you know, connect to the engine of the truck. Though both of those companies are coming out with versions that. Do connect to the engine. Uh, Big Road's already out, and uh, I think Keep Trucking is, not, is shortly on the way if, if they're not making it available already. Um, and uh, you know, so it's a, it's a big, you know, it's a fairly big uh, rule for sure. It's going to affect a lot of people. It's going to change uh, a lot about uh, how how this truck.
trucking is done. Uh, well, it remains to be seen in some ways, but uh, it'll definitely it'll definitely be kind of a learning curve for folks that haven't haven't tried these things out before. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. I, I, I for one, I'm, I've kind of tried to be a little bit of an early adopter because when, when they first initially started talking about this stuff, um, I think it may have been maybe two years ago when it, it, it initially came down. Yeah. They were trying to push everybody to uh, to, to go to an EO. Uh, they they, they yep. changed the, the language so many times. It went from ELDs to EOBs. <laughs> <laughs> the alphabet soup of, of what you know the, the regulation is. But um, yeah. I've tried to just familiarize myself. I currently run uh, the Big Road app myself for my operation, and I recently purchased the um, Rand McNally TND um, 760, the fleet edition, which actually plugs into the uh, ECM. I've, I have a, another truck that I have, and I have that in that other truck, employee. Uh, it has, it's all, it's like, kind of like the all-in-one feature. It has the um, Rand McNally uh, TPS uh, services and everything like that, but it also has, like, NCAP messaging features, kind of like, um, I guess, a people net or something like that, if people are familiar with uh, what the bigger fleets carry. But as, as a small guy, small guy, um, you know, uh, small fleet, I think that we have to start to, Ah man, we don't want to go kicking and screaming into the in, into the night. We're trying to fight this regulation tooth and nail. If it if it's going to come down the come down the road, and, and if we're going to be forced to do it, I think it's better. My opinion, I think it's better to start learning the different nuances now of how it works and how it's going to affect your operation, so that you can kind of be that further down the road when 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 the mandate does come. And you can kind of start to make adjustments to your operation accordingly. Um, that's just kind of that's that's my opinion. That's my view on it. Um, and 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 believe me, uh, running, trying to run. Once that fourteen-hour clock starts, that's the biggest thing that I think that we've been trying to get across to some of our legislators to understand what these regulations is. This industry is not. Um, this is a real. Not it's not cut and dry, and it's it's yeah. it's not one, one one size fits all. It's kind of crazy that it, that it, it um you know you get to a shipper and you, and you can start out with a fresh fourteen hour clock, and some shippers, um, chicken farms for an example, you could be there when you bump the dock, and you could be there ten hours just sitting in the dock, yeah. not even getting loaded mm-hmm. yet, and, and that and that's a reality that 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 uh, a lot of us in the industry are facing. Um, I see we got a couple people up that's got some questions. Um, try and grab them real quick, and we'll mix them into the conversation. Let's try and grab Tony real quick. Uh, hey. Tony got a question. He's got his hand raised. Hey, Tony, you're on live with Rico and Todd. How can we help? Or what's your question? I just want to say, what what crime have we committed that we need ankle bracelets, number one? And number two, we have we have a right to privacy. And number three... Also, you know, this country was founded on freedom, not having stuff thrown down our throats. Everybody talks about electronic logs, and nobody's willing to fight. I mean, if you have money invested, shouldn't you be willing to fight for your job and your industry? That's my question. I hear what you're saying, Tony, uh, and and uh, I'll, let, I'll let I guess I'm, I'm, I'm going to have practice a little Southern hospitality. I'll let my guests have, give a take on it. I mean, he doesn't really have a dog in the fight, but... Uh, but he, he, he's just reporting on what's going on. But Todd, you want to take a crack at that? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, I think uh, I think that I think those kinds of questions are are very good and relevant. Um, it's forcing anytime anybody's forced uh, uh, government forces you to you know go out and buy something. I mean, it's just it doesn't uh, it doesn't really uh, it doesn't really sit well with anybody, right? And you know, these are I mean, uh, Tony said you know the comments about about the ankle bracelet, right? Like. Uh, to a certain extent, uh, you know, that's a lot of people view them that way. Um, you know, but when you're, when you're thinking about the reality of, of some of these, some of these devices are, if you're an independent, um, you know, it's just a, it's just a tool, it's just another tool to, uh, you know, to, to record hours and to, to log hours and to make, you know, well, to have a, to have a tool to make available to enforcement your hours when they, when they have to check them, right? So it's just like a paper thing, but it's just sitting in your truck. Um, some of them don't have, uh, there's one that doesn't have uh, any kind of over-the-air type connection. Uh, it's the Continental Road Log, I think. Yeah. And uh, that one, it's kind of, it is expensive, though. It's a $700 investment, but there is no ongoing cost for it. Uh, how many, but how many paper log books can you buy for 700 bucks? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Took you a while to recoup your costs, right? Right, right. I, I understand. I fully understand Tony's uh, point of view. Yeah, I fully understand, and, and 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 I definitely uh, I can identify with it. My only position, Tony, and, and you're still up, Tony. I, I didn't put, you, I didn't drop you off. You're still up, so you, oh, okay. You have a little back and forth. Mm, yeah. for a second. Okay. <laughs> well, I didn't but, know. Uh, you know. But, <laughs> no, no, no. You're still up, but I, but I just wanted, you know, from the standpoint of. One thing that I that I know about business is that there's always change is always going to be constant, and I understand and identify with what what it is that you're saying. Um, the thing about it is I know that it's a tool that a lot of, my opinion, that a lot of the big carriers are really trying to you know they they've got a lot of politicians in their back pocket and and I think that they're trying to really use this as a uh, bludgeon to kind of beat the small guys over the head to kind of force us into uh, out of the industry or better yet, leasing on to some of them to, um, to uh, kind of offset a little bit of their costs. I, I, but so, so I'm trying to, my, my whole position is I'm just trying to stay ahead of the curve right now. It's, it's not mandated, but I'm, but I'm trying, I would rather learn now while it's not mandated than to be um, trying to learn it when it does become a mandate. And I, and I wholeheartedly feel you as far as fighting, and I, and I agree with you there. Um, Nastic, I'm, I'm a member of Nastic. They are in the fight. We're trying to fight this thing off with the LBRs. I, su- I support OOIDA. And if you, and if, if any of the different organizations uh, that, that we have that, that we are members of as, as small and independent motor carriers and, and drivers, we definitely need to be kind of uh, engaging with them and, and finding out what is it that we can do to, so that we can try to be better organized to, to give a little bit of a, a, a pushback on the situation. Uh, anything well, anything extra you'd like to add on that, Tony? Well, I'd just like to add that, yeah, I'm a member of OIDA, a NASTIC member also. And then, you know, we're fighting for every penny. And you keep right. calling it a tool. It's not a tool. We need to remember why Qualcomm come around and come around for the big carriers find their trucks when the drivers got so mad that they quit. It had nothing to do with anything else. It was just an easy way to do truck retrieval. And I think everybody's forgetting that. They keep saying tools and safety and you know, I got a lot of tools under the bunk and they have a purpose. 
but mm-hmm. they're not ongoing and they don't cost me money. Right. I mean, I, I, I fully agree with that. I mean, I think, uh, there is a, you know, there is a, the last time they tried to do this, of course, the rules just totally thrown out you know, in court, uh, because, you know, FMCSA didn't, uh, it, it failed to consider in the rulemaking that, uh, that the, that uh, drivers to be harassed these uh, these kinds of communication devices that uh, or that that you know come included with a lot of these big big electronic log packages and the onboard computer machines that you know the fleets use, um, and uh, you know of course that was a that was a suit that was brought by OIDA, and you know like I said there's a if, if they don't come back with something that is too uh, to the satisfaction of uh, of, of the association, I think on uh, on that score or or something else, I think we'll see more illegal action and we'll see perhaps see more delays and and you know maybe maybe they maybe it goes away uh, you know who knows what's going to happen there but um, it'll definitely be something to watch uh, and to you know write uh, write write your representatives about if you if you do feel strongly about it um, keep uh, keep the lines of communication going with the folks in Washington. Absolutely, Tony. We appreciate we appreciate your your question and your comments. Um, mm-hmm. We're gonna move on to a diff, to, to another caller. Uh, put you back on hold so you can continue to listen. Uh, let's see. We have Mike calling in. Let's get to Mike. Hey, hey, Mike. You're on live with Rico and Todd. How can we help? Well, you know what, man. I'm from Europe, and I'd love to know why America is folding. I come over here so that because my country folded years ago, and you know you have a government that. You, keep going at them all the time saying, hey, listen, man, this stuff isn't going to work. Uh, it's causing problems. It's doing this, doing it. And they don't even listen. They don't even give us a, uh, hey, what you need to do is go to New York. Let's go to New York. Bring the trucks up there. Bring it to any city. Atlanta would be fine. Shut the damn thing down for one day. And you know what? Everybody's going to listen. you got to do it because these guys are not listening. They're creating chaos uh, I, I don't know i don't know mike i don't know if i agree 100 percent with doing a total shutdown i mean because i don't that's the trucking industry i, I feel where you're coming from I, I feel the impassion uh coming from your voice as well the the thing about it is that we've had these discussions about shutdowns and, and all of this other stuff before and i think that there is a better way that we might be able to get our point across um one thing that we're trying to do, you know, my little contribution to the whole nine is just to try to, as an industry, let's try and help educate one another a lot better and, and, and encourage more participation. I think that's the, the biggest thing that we fail on is our lack of galvanizing one another when it comes to political issues. We're, we're, not, we're not monolithic in, in our thought processes, but we, where we have common interests and common goals, there, there, there can be... Uh, grounds for, for common ground. And we have, let to, me, we have let, to... Let me let me interject and just say to you, you're dead right with what you're saying, and that's how a normal person would approach it. But you just take one look at Europe, and you can figure out that we're headed the same way. And the only, you know, the only thing that fixes France is when they... The, the farmers do it, the truckers do it, they go into Paris and they shut the thing down and they get what they want finally. You're not going to stop the politician. We have to take 
uh, a stand here, all of us, it doesn't matter whether we're farmers or truckers or what, this country is going downhill, man, and these guys are not listening. I, I hear you. I hear you. I, I think a lot of people may have that same sentiment. Um, and, and Todd, can you tell that they're a little bit passionate about the EOBR situation? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people do point to, a lot of guys do point to Europe. And, uh, and they, they've had, they've had a mandate for the electronic welfare for some time, right? And, uh, right. And, and, you know, over the, over the years, uh, what, has happened at the same time is that you know you've you've had a, a sort of more, a lot of consolidation, a lot of the small fleets going out of business. The owner operator, in a lot of ways, is a thing of the past in Europe, though not entirely. Um, from what I know, of course, I don't cover the European trucking market directly, but um, I think the caller uh, probably can attest to some of that or talk a little bit more about that. Mike, do you, can you can tell us tell us what you've seen there if you're, if you're still on there? Yeah, yeah, I'm still on. Uh, no. Yeah, basically, basically, look, you have, a, you have a bunch of people in government telling truckers and three million, whatever they are, truckers, to how to, for one thing, how to, when to sleep, when to drive. But, I mean, this whole 14-hour thing is the greatest load of bollocks I've ever seen in my life or heard of. Yeah. I mean, somebody has to go up there and slap them on the face and say, listen, pal, you really need to stop this. Because, you know what? You're creating... Uh, a dangerous, very dangerous situation out there. I see it every day. And I, I, listen, I've been on electronic labs for three years. I'm a truck driver for three years. I've been on electronic labs for three years, and I'm making it work as regards making it listen. But what, what, the, what the FSMCA is doing to this country is, is criminal. It really is, and I just don't know why you guys keep giving them a, a break because they're not giving us a break at all. Mm, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I don't think that, like I said, really not. I'm not trying to advocate as far as a position as far. The only thing I'm trying to advocate for as a small business owner is let's be aware of what may be coming down the pipe and let's try to prepare to prepare our businesses to be able to sustain and withstand what may be coming down the road. You know, if you see if you see a, if you see a train coming down the train uh, coming down the line, then you know. Uh, it's, it's wise to either get out of the way or, or maybe go to the go to the terminal and buy a ticket to get on the train. Uh, don't think it's going to be wise to, to, to stand in front of it. <laughs> so, so that, that's just, that's just kind of my my analogy on it. But, but, but Mike, I hear you loud and clear. And, I, and like I said, I think that we as an industry we have to uh, get more politically active in it because I don't think that the politicians that, that the ones that are that that are pushing uh, a lot of the stuff down the pike. I don't I don't think that they're they're hearing us. And when we got every, a lot of drivers are running around here with with cell phones, got free cell phone minutes. Well, instead of uh, uh, you know maybe running it, running our trap on on you know talking crap on the CB radio back and forth all day long, or or even just uh, carrying on frivolous conversations that we may be having going down the road. We got all these free minutes. Why not get a, get in contact with Washington? Get on the switchboard and, and get in, get in contact with. Uh, with our representatives, I would venture to say that most most truckers, if you just go into a truck stop right now and you go into a truck driver and you ask him what are his two senators in his state and which who was his congressman, he probably couldn't tell you. He wouldn't know him from from a can of paint. And that's that's something that we have to, you know, if we're going to be serious about trying to affect some of this change, 
we have to get we have to definitely get more involved and educated in the whole political process as well. Right. I think I think a lot of uh, I think a lot more people are are doing that today, and I think it's only going to grow. And uh, you know, one bright spot in in all of this, you know, irrespective of whether the you know the, the electronic log mandate uh, does finally come to final rules stage, go into effect, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, whether that happens or not, I think attention uh, to the uh, uh, to, to the the fourteen hour rule and uh, and the need for further flexibility around that is is only going to get greater. Uh, I know that FMCSA has been hearing about that for ten uh, years, Congress people, everybody else, you know, for for more than ten years now, and finally you start to see some signs that uh, that they're starting to be some give there. So now's the time to, to talk more and more about that. Illustrate the problems that people that were having with shippers and receivers for those Congress people. And and you know and keep the dialogue going. Is that I mean I think that I think that element of the hours of service is probably the uh, the number one uh, problem that most truckers have with with hours in general. You know, and that includes whether they're logged electronically or, or logged on paper or anything. Uh, is is that uh, that fourteen hours the inability to to really, uh, you know, to operate uh, in a, in a kind of a, to sort of stop the clock, uh, rest for more than just two hours, and then be able to extend that a little bit on. Um, and you know, that whole notion that this isn't a you know, this isn't a one size fits all issue. This isn't a fourteen hour issue. It's a twenty four hour industry we're talking about. There's lots of things that happen uh, on the road. This is a high, this is a highway job. Uh, I mean, it's a highway uh, highway business. Um, you gotta be. You gotta have some operating flexibility if things are going to happen efficiently. And, and given, given the, the economic pressures that all all small fleets and owner operators, everybody in the trucking business really faces, um, uh, I think that uh, we need to get some of that back. And uh, you know, FCSA and Congress and you know the you know the industry people that are pushing electronic log, uh, the electronic log mandate, um, are. Uh, are just putting another uh, chink in that that just makes it even more onerous uh, because you know with the paper law everybody knows it's uh, you can you can flex it a little bit uh, it's it's not hard it's you know it's not uh, not like uh, a lot of people are out there break uh, you know trying to break the wall but uh, you know it's it's a uh, it's a mechanism that uh, that 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 in which the truck driver remains has been able to remain the sort of flexible link in the whole supply chain, right? Um, but with an electronic log, it's going to be less likely, and everything's going to kind of tighten down. And, uh, you know, there could be, you know, a lot of people talk about this, and this may be pie-in-the-sky kind of thinking, but uh, if it does happen, it could uh, there could be a uh, you know, upper pressure on rates, and as capacity is constrained a little bit, but I don't know if that's reality or not. That'd be something that looking way out into the future on that one. I think, anyway. I think it's definitely going to have, have. I think that if if it does get pushed through, I think that we are going to have going to see a tremendous amount of effect. And I think initially on uh, rates and also capacity. Uh, but but didn't want to just talk all night long about the upcoming EOBR <laughs> mandate. And Mike, we I definitely uh I put your home. We're going to try to move to some other callers, but I wanted to kind of yeah, shift gears you. just a little bit. Um, wanted to get into. Uh, an interesting article that you guys did uh, over driving and you in particular Todd, about the, uh, on demand load matching. Um, I think that this is, uh, this could be something that also, if 
we get the right early adopters to jump on board with some of these different services that are out here um, could really change the face of the industry and, and might even give us a shot in the arm when it comes to rates. Uh, just uh, give us an overview. Give us an overview of, of your reporting on the on-demand load matching and, and some of the things that may be coming down the pike on that, Todd. Yeah, I mean, so uh, basically, it's uh, it proceeded from a you know a notion that was that was put out there during all the kind of hype and hysteria over the uh, Uber taxi service, right? Which is you know essentially uh, putting uh, taking a taking a middleman uh, instead of it being a, a person like a taxi dis- dispatcher, essentially uh, the middleman becomes the, uh, the you know the little phone in your hand, right? Um, and uh, anybody, you know, a lot. Of, I'm sure a lot of listeners have used it uh, or uh, heard about it, know what it is. Uh, so there's this, there's this whole crop of new services that, that uh, sprung up over the past couple of years, and you you guys have probably seen some of them um, uh, that kind of try to to do that uh, with. Uh, with with freight uh, and with with long haul freight and and more so I guess with low, as well more success so far I think in the local freight markets uh, where there's there are uh, one or more of these services one that's had some success called Cargomatic uh, there's only a couple of them that I've actually you know every time I talk to one of these services uh, I, I tend to ask for a uh, ask for a, a, you know a referral to somebody that has actually successfully used it. To uh, connect with uh, a shipper or or a broker, so that's the other problem with it. Uh, a lot of a lot of the freight that you can get through these services is, is broker freight. So there's a middle, there's a middleman already there, uh, and then there's the the, the service that the uh, the fee that the service charges you, and so it's eh, it may may not be uh, uh, any better than you know just using the load board and calling somebody. But uh, the good news is you know a lot of the the big, the big load board services like Internet Truck Stop and DHC are all kind of experimenting with uh, ways to make, uh, you know, searching and and and, and booking loads and and getting, getting paid for loads and uh, and negotiating for loads a process that occurs uh, with more uh, more automation with with less uh, friction, less talking, less phone calling, uh, those kinds of things that they're 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 uh, introducing these features where it's like okay, um, you can you can choose to just book something now uh, if you're signed up via a smartphone app. Uh, if you see something in the rate is some is a rate that you that you prefer, uh, you can do it do it like that. A lot of this is happening with with brokers on the other end. Uh, a lot of brokers are uh, brokers are some some of the larger brokers are developing this stuff in house. Um, but uh, you know there are a couple services that that are really going after not broker freight but uh, shippers, and that's where they hope uh, that, that things will move in the future. Uh, so you'll have these uh, you'll have apps, what's essentially a smartphone app that allows you to search for uh, real time available loads on a route or or uh, enable you to plan something out. It'll be it's like looking at a load board uh, through your phone. And, uh, and instead of uh, you know having to call the broker, having to get the, the facts in the, or rather having to call the shipper, having to sign a contract, but you'll be able to using that service uh, just uh, one touch, book a load, get it. It's 
it's a lot more complicated than that, and, and, and freight transportation is a lot more complicated than moving somebody from one point to another in a city. Um, but uh, you know, some, some folks see a lot of uh, a lot of promise in it, um, and uh, you know, a lot a lot of opportunity to kind of. Hey, what we thought? Yeah, sorry, Rico, are you there? Yeah, we, we there you go, there you go. You you dropped out for a second there. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what happened. That was very odd. <laughs> My uh, yeah, the the headset I was using just spoke to me and told me I was disconnected, but the call's not. So anyway, um, so a lot of people see promise in this. You know, an opportunity to kind of cut out some of the you know, the high margins some brokers get and reduce it to like a, a four or seven percent fee. Um, and to really connect carriers directly to shippers with uh, technology in the middle and not uh, and with a lot less friction. Not really there yet, but uh, there are a couple services out there that are that are making some strides and actually uh, producing some pretty neat utilities, the apps and stuff that they that they make that are that that work really well and uh, you know and and do. There's one called Dispatcher that's out in California. Uh, the guys are based in California, but they're they're focusing long haul a lot, uh, and, and not just local stuff. Uh, that does have a pretty good uh, universe of freight. Most of its brokers and most of its pulled from public boards, but uh, where they focus their efforts on is uh, you know is, is kind of like uh, taking over, or in some cases acting on behalf of the owner operator uh, in terms of some of the negotiations that has that have to go on a lot of the broker contracts uh, services and stuff like that and I think they I think they charge like a three percent or four percent fee but the but the app from what I've what I heard from people that actually are using it uh, is pretty uh, pretty neat and they are looking toward a future where uh, you know, where it's shippers that are on the other end of that and they're not just pulling all this public load board information. Um, but yeah, okay. you know, it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, have you have you tried any of these at all? I mean, I know there's uh, you know, keychain logistics. Or, uh, dash I tried uh, I tried a service. I don't think you got. I don't think you did anything with those guys. They have something. They yeah. had something similar to it. Where it was actually a free uh, service, and they had some other back office support stuff that was going on going along with it. It was um. Uh, another service, I think the name of them was Ten Four or something like that. Um, I, I used Ten them, four, and they okay. had, they tried to have, yeah, they tried to have some uh, some similar uh, instance where they were trying to get shippers on board with uh, yeah. not brokers, just uh, actually direct shippers. But it, it, but it was very very slim. Um, yeah. and, and like I say, it, we, we, I think in order for it to be a success, we'll have to get some uh, heavy hitter early adopters that that, that kind of yeah. see. The, they, they see the vision and they can, and they can see the value that it may bring. Um, don't know if the, uh, um, the legal, the side of it may be, may be part of the issue why you may have some people, uh, some of the uh, big companies reluctant to jump on board with something like that with all the different uh, things when it comes to the, the nuances of transportation law. Uh, but right. we got a couple more callers that got some questions. We want to try and get those guys in, Chad, Michael, and Jason. Hold on. We're actually going to go to Chad right now. Michael and Jason, you guys will be up next. Chad, you're on live with Rico and Ty. What's your question? How can we help? Uh, gentlemen, I got kind of a really dumb question for you. Uh, first off, I know guys are talking about the Yogs. I don't like them. I like them because it's less BS on the paperwork side. 
Uh, right. And I barely graduated high school, so that's why I like it. Uh, my second question for you is, um, well, my question for you is, uh, I just got loaded out of shipper. I'm not going to name this. I'm not going to say the name, of course. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you caught that. Good job. Uh, they put, I'm 700 over on my tandems. I can't slide them. If I move my fifth wheel to the front, I'm over on my steers. They're refusing to move to rework the freight. They're telling me I got to go down the street and use a subcontractor and pay them 200 bucks, or I have to run with it, or uh, you know they're not touching it. Isn't that illegal? It seems it seems definitely uh, uh, on the verge of it. I'm not I'm not actually sure if that's illegal though. Because, I mean, it, they, they loaded it they loaded it their way. I'm old. They put all the heavy shit on the back end of the trailer, pardon my French. Um, right. And uh, basically, I know by law they have to fix it. But to sit there and tell somebody, we're not going to, you had to pay our subcontractor 200-plus bucks to rework our mistake. Right. It's like a lumper uh, fee I at mean, a uh, grocery warehouse or something, right? Like that you have to... Well, yeah, but, but it's not a lumper. I mean, it, yeah. the lumper thing at a grocery warehouse is completely different than what I'm going through right now. Really, so, it's a totally different situation, right? But yeah, right. So if they re- if they refuse to fix it under Uniform Code of Bill of Lading, am I allowed to take it to a uh, to a secure warehouse and back in their dock tell them they would not rework the freight without me paying and have them sign the bills and drop it off of that warehouse facility? No. Am no. I legally am there, I legally before, able to? Before, before, before you go there, before you jump out the window and go there, get in contact with your broker. This is where the relationship that you have with your broker, he's going to have to earn his money. Get in contact right. with your broker. Um, he is going to, you don't really need to get into a whole back and forth, back and forth with the shipper. Because that's not your Right, customer. I hear you. That, that's, right. That's, that's the broker's customer. Get in contact yeah. with your broker. Let them know what's going on. Uh, do what you need to do to stay safe and legal as far as, you know, you don't want to go, you know, going out all, all out of the way, but, uh, that's, that's actually the broker's problem. He, he, right, has right, to, I hear you. he has, he has, he has an, he has an obligation as a broker. That's okay, part that's, of his, yeah, legal, it, that's part of his legal obligation as the broker. And that, okay. So, couldn't that be, uh, couldn't that be in the form of paying you, paying you, uh, above and beyond what he's going to give you now so you can afford to do this or you know he, he negotiates he calls the shipper and says you know fix this guy's load come on yeah we're still here it, it's going to be a combination okay. of the two uh Ty. it's going to be a combination of two. Right. He, he can pay him more to, to get to get it done, done or whatever if he doesn't want to ruffle feathers with his shipper but at the same time you know it, it, it really just kind of falls back and having a uh you know, and, and, and try to make sure. See, this is the thing that that will endure you if, if the broker is is. And I know it's going to be difficult because you're like the thing that you're that's on your mind right now. I, I definitely identify with where you are. So I'm trying to talk about it from both sides because I'm, I also broker and I also uh, and as you guys know, I also have a small motor carrier. But the thing that, that, that that's going to help you out in this situation is going to be really difficult. Just remain and keep your professionalism. Keep your professionalism. Right, right. Um, and, 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 and try to, um, help the broker come up with solutions. If, if he's coming, if he's drawing blanks or whatever, may, um, you may be able to offer suggestions or whatever. Don't, don't put yourself in a position where you can, you know, uh, 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 you want to work with them a little bit, 
But at the same time, you don't want to put yourself in a position where it's going to be all give on your part. Uh, because you, right, you, I hear you. Actually, yeah. you, you've yeah. actually honored your end of the obligation. So right. that, that's I, I'm, my a, little I'm waiting on a phone call that. back from him. He's talking right. to him right now, but I'll, but uh, I'll, I'll, I want to throw something out here real quick because I picked this up last week. Uh, guys, when you uh, the guys that are listening, when you pick up a load, make sure before they start loading your trailer that you're getting the, the amount of weight you agreed upon with the broker. I had this happen last week. They said it was 27.5 in the box. I got there, and they said it was going to be almost 38 with pallets. I called the broker back. I said, okay, we agreed to this much. They're telling us it's this much, so now they need to pay for the extra service that I'm going to provide. Yeah. They refused. I told the broker, I said, okay, I need X amount of dollars for fuel and waste of time, and you should char- back charge that customer. He put me on hold for 45 seconds. He came back, and I got my rate raised $425. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a method that could be used. Um, you want to be cautious when doing that as well. You, it, it's it's a couple of different nuances. Maybe I'll have to have when, when I have Seaton back on. That may be a conversation that uh, Henry Seaton, the transportation attorney, that's that that's probably a good uh, pathway for us to go down the road with him because uh, he would be able to share a lot more light as far as the legalities and different things that are, that are concerned with that. Right. If you have. Uh, and, and of course, if you already have your um, your service terms and conditions available with your your rule circular, when you, if you have that in place, oh, yeah. then that should already we, we that, that, should, that should already be spelled spelled out inside of your rule circular. Um, right. When you when you when you're doing your continuing contract with any broker or anything in any way. Right. So, right. Yeah. Um, that's what happened. I, we we signed off on the first weight, and when I showed up there, they said it was going to be a different weight, and I told the broker to not to pay for the extra service because they're going to use more fuel, et cetera. And I got mm-hmm. the extra money that I requested, and they they had no issue with that. The, the shipper didn't, so it was a win-win. So for the guys that are listening, if that happens, be very vigilant of that, because you can go back to the broker and say, okay, we agreed to this much for this for this freight. Now they're putting more freight on the trailer. They have to pay for that extra service. So, yeah, and, and like uh, I said, you I have to watch what the what you that, Absolutely, Chad. We appreciate it, but you have to also watch what you sign inside inside of your contract as well. Because when you sign a certain thing in your contract, you waive a lot of, you waive a lot of your rights and stuff when it comes to certain things. So you have to be careful with, uh, don't, I, I don't, I'm really cautious mm-hmm. about trying to give out, um, that type of advice. That's why I kind of like to, uh, when Seton's on, those are great questions when he's on, because that he's definitely, mm-hmm. that's definitely within his wheelhouse to kind of give us the right direction to proceed with something like that. Um, so let's see here. Trying to look back and see where we are in the queue. That was Chad. Chad back on hold. Let's see if we can grab Mike real quick. Let's see. Mike, Hello. Michael, you're on live with Rico. Hey, Mike, are you there? I'm here. You All right, me? you're on live with Rico and Ty. Yes, sir, we got you locked and loaded. You're coming in loud and clear. What's your question? How can we help? I wanted to uh, talk about the EOBR thing, but I was listening to Chad. Chad, as long as they, when you get to the shipper anywhere, dude, as long as you're under 80000 he's fulfilled his responsibility. He, you just can't leave the shipper over 80000 It's your responsibility as a driver to see that it's actually out. That's not the shipper's responsibility. That's yours. But as long as it's under 80,000, he's straight. So good luck. Anyway, 
uh, I got that same uh, Rand McNally unit that you have, the T and D seven sixty. I love it, man. I I don't understand. You know, I'm on paper logs forever, like everybody else, but. Uh, I love this thing. I, I, I absolutely love it. It has just simplified my life to no end. I mean, it's just it, it's just remarkable. You you do nothing. Push the button, done. I mean, I can still drive 600 miles a day, and that's plenty for me. I don't, you know, I'm I I drive 58 miles an hour, and I can get 600 in without a problem. I I think. Uh, a lot of the issue, I think, uh, you know, everybody gets paid differently. Some guys get paid by the mile. Some guys get paid by the hour. Some guys are getting paid by the load, you know, and a percentage of the load. I, I think that's probably, if, if you can get off of a mileage thing, then it really doesn't matter. I don't, I don't have any problem with that. I get paid by the load. But then again, I do tanker freight. I'm not. I'm not in the docks and all that, dealing with those people. But uh, uh, anyway, I just wanted to touch base with you about the EOBRs. I, it's coming, guys. It's coming. You, you just gotta. You just gotta put the big boy pants on and and just. It's coming, and it's not that big of a deal. It's not. It's really not. It's so easy. Uh, so it's coming. I would say get ahead of it. And get used to it. Thank you for your time, Mike. That's what I, you know, that's that's exactly what I hear from most people that have used any kind of electronic logging system, whether it's a, you know, an engine connected one or just you know, a logbook app like Big Road or something like that. Uh, is that you know they may have gone in a little circumspect or whatever, but they come out on the other side with, you know, with a favorable view generally, or or at least a neutral view, like uh, just. Yeah, takes the paper out, takes the paper out of the out of the system, and um, you know, takes all the kind of once, guesswork and the calculation uh, and all the ways. Yeah, once you do it, once you get you start using it, you won't go back to paper. You won't. I don't care who you are. You're not going. You're not going to go back. It's just too easy, and it just simplifies your life. So it, it, it's just it, it's. I I don't want to get rid of it. I mean, I love it. I mean, uh, yeah, I can tell you that Rand McNally and uh, is it Rico? You, you the one that's got one? Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, the mapping, the mapping uh, system on that thing is not that great. I run, I run, I run a Garmin simultaneous with that Rand McNally, and I'm gonna tell you, you have to because if you follow that Rand McNally band, it will bring you way out of route a lot very often i mean this is crazy the way that thing works sometimes you got to kind of watch it but uh i i really enjoy uh all the atlas information on it you know the road stops and the way stations and the stops i mean it's and it's just too easy with the with the uh hours of service it just it adds everything up it subtracts everything up it's just too simple. Too simple. All right. Well, Mike, well, we appreciate you. We appreciate you getting in. We're getting ready to uh, appreciate your input on, on, on the EOBR uh, situation. And, Todd, we're getting close. That hour just 
basically just blew fly, blew right by us. Yeah, um, yeah it was quick. Is there anything? <laughs> it doesn't take long. Uh, is there anything that you want to say? Uh, anything people get in contact or uh, anything you want to say to share share with everybody before we get out of here? Well, uh, you know, anytime anybody's got any. Uh, you know, any, any interesting situations, ideas that uh, I think other folks want to hear should hear about, uh, feel free to hit me up. Uh, if you got any questions, anything like that, uh, let me know. I'm always looking for something new to write about and uh, always happy to help where I can. Uh, you can find me uh, over at Overdrive's site. It's overdriveonline.com and then slash uh, channel19 is uh, my blog. And I think my phone's there and uh, email and everything else. So, yeah, just be in touch uh, anytime you got a question or anything. Or tip. All uh, right. What about what what about uh Facebook? You guys got? A, I know you guys got a social media presence. Uh, anything on social media? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. We're up on a Facebook page, and uh, I have my uh, I have a personal Facebook page too, and I'm on a good bit. Folks communicate with me there as well, uh, or or Twitter, any of the other ones, because we're, we're definitely on all those. Definitely. All right. Well, Todd, we definitely yep. appreciate you coming on and sharing some information that are letting us. Allowing us to pick your brain for 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 a little while here on the radio yeah, podcast, definitely. Uh, honored to be with you guys. I'm uh, really really happy to come across uh, uh, you know the, the entire uh, you know, race lines podcast and then uh, right from our masters group with Chad Bob Boblet and uh, the entire group of owner operators there. I think uh, about a year ago I, I I came aware of what you guys were doing and uh, it's great to great to um, you know, great to make uh, make a make a, a face uh, or introduce inter- introduction to the community here on the radio show. Um, uh, you know, outside the magazine and everything, so uh, pretty awesome. I consider all you guys to be uh, be about the, about the best out there. So, thank thanks for uh, having me on. Appreciate it, Todd. Look forward to maybe trying to get you back on again. And yeah, no problem. Also. Just a little bit of housekeeping before we get up out of here. We want to remind everybody about our uh, sister podcasts that come on. Of course, um, Mr. Kenny Long does his podcast every Tuesday, same time at 7 p.m. His podcast is Trucking with Authority. It surrounds the whole situation about uh, going out and getting your own authority, running under your own authority. His show is Tuesday at 7 p.m. Call in number for Kenny's show is 646. 646- Six six eight two two seven seven. Then we have Kim Cochran, Destination Health show surrounds all about trying to uh, be healthy, live, living a better, healthier lifestyle out here on the road. Her show comes on every Friday at four p.m. to get in on Kim's show, Destination Health. You want to call three four seven three two four three two eight five, and also Mr. Mike Beckett. Everything that has to do with anything, truck alignment, tires, Mike Beckett's show, Rolling Toe, comes on every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Calling number to get in on Rolling Toe is 347-637-1067. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is the Racing Lanes Podcast coming to you every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We want to send, extend our grateful Kevin Rutherford, Lisa Rutherford, and the entire Let's Truck team. Hoping you all be safe, be profitable, and as Kevin would say, master the journey. Good night, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. 
or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-PUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.